you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Thank you for the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say, I'm thankful for that name. Thankful for that name. I'm thankful for what I feel in the house this morning. Thankful that God has met us here today, that God has touched us, and that... uh, God has accepted our praise and our worship. The Bible says that He inhabits the praises of His people, but it doesn't necessarily mean that God has to to accept our praise. Come on, all throughout the Bible, there were those that offered a, a sacrifice that didn't cost anything. They offered sacrifice out of their abundance, and they offered easy sacrifice that didn't cost them, it didn't hurt. But how many know that sometimes sacrifice hurts, true sacrifice hurts? In those, in those instances where it was a, a sacrifice that did, not, that did not please God, it was not accepted and lives were taken. And Come on, somebody. I'm glad that God has accepted our praise and our worship, that He's accepted our sacrifice because we feel His presence in this house. He's not obligated to come down. He's not obligated to to work and and do the miraculous in this house, but I believe that He is here and that He is going to do the miraculous because He is dwelling among us due to your praise and your worship, and you ought to give God praise for that this morning. (laughs) My, my, my. Glad to preach to you this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1 studying last night here at the church like I always do, and God just, I was sitting in the youth, well, let me back up, I was sitting in the youth rally on Friday, and the preacher began to preach, and God began to deal with me, and God began to speak to me, and I thought, well, well, that would be great, that'd be great, kind of was wanting to go a different direction in my flesh, and what I wanted to do. And I'm like, okay, God, you're going to have to confirm your word to me. So I spent time up here last night, and God just over and over and over again began to confirm his word to me. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful because I would not want to uh, stand behind this sacred pulpit and speak to children and saints of God if I hadn't heard from the Lord. So... I want to preach what the Lord has laid on my heart this morning. First Peter chapter 1, read two verses of Scripture into your hearing, verses 18 and 19. For as much as we know 
that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. We're not redeemed by silver and gold and by earthly things, and there's nothing in this world that can redeem you. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of goodness. There's no amount of talent that can redeem you. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I think somebody that is in this house that God has redeemed you and brought you out from the pit of sin that you used to be in, that brought you out of all forms of addiction, that brought you out of all forms of illicit lifestyles and illicit relationships, that you ought not to be here this morning, but God redeemed you with His precious blood. He took you out of a pit of sin and He set your feet up on a rock to stay. I think you ought to give God praise this morning. I think it ought to be more than just a patty cake hand clap, but I think you ought to give God praise this morning. If it had not been for the Lord who is on my side. I'm going to preach to you this morning on this subject, the blood. I'm going to preach to you about the blood of Jesus. How many are thankful for the blood? How many are thankful for the blood? Amen. Put your Bibles down. Raise your hands. God, right now, by the authority of your word and by the power of the name of Jesus, God, I unlock the miraculous in this house. God, I speak into the atmosphere, God, that, that you will begin to do all manner of works among us, God, that the gifts and the, and the operation of the gifts of the Spirit would be manifested in this house. God, I come against every distraction. God, every spirit that would cause hindrance to what you want to do and what you want to say today. God, I pray that your anointing would rest upon me to preach what you have laid on my heart. God, let it not land on deaf ears, but God, open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive what you are saying to the church this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone shout amen. Come on, shout amen. You may be seated this morning. And in study and preparation, my mind just began to, humor me just a moment, my mind just began to reflect on my childhood. And I could hear the voice of my grandfather, big raspy voice, my God. As he'd stand in this pulpit, and he began to sing. Well, he, some call it singing, some call it chanting. I don't know what he did. He, over and over again, all throughout my child, Brother Jeremy, he would sing songs about the blood. Service would be going on, and things weren't quite happening. People were just all relaxed, and not much going on. And Papa would step to the pulpit, and he'd begin to say, I'm thankful for the blood. He said, I'm thankful that the blood of Jesus has redeemed me. I'm thankful that the blood of Jesus has saved me. And he'd say, I'm glad that one day that the blood of Jesus healed my body. 
I'm glad that one day when I was so sick, I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know where to turn. When the doctors, when the doctors just left me to die, the blood of Jesus healed me. The blood of Jesus, I pleaded the blood of Jesus on my life. And he swept down into that hospital room. And he touched my body. He did what only he could do. And then he would lift his voice and he'd say, For it reaches to the high. Come on, somebody. Highest mountain. Anybody know that song? Say, And it flows to the lowest valley. How many are thankful for that this morning? Come on, it's the blood. For the blood that gives me strength to live from day. Today it will never lose its power. And I remember when those songs of the blood begin to erupt from the mouths and the praises of the saints of God and Sister so-and-so would get moving and maybe let out a little war chant and somebody would jump to their feet and their hands would be lifted and tears would begin to roll down their face as they remembered what the blood did for them. Anybody remember what the blood did for you? Anybody remember where you used to be? Anybody remember that you were dead in your trespasses? But God, in His infinite mercy, He shed His blood that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly. Somebody would stand in the pulpit and they would sing a song that would say, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Somebody would testify. Inevitably, it didn't happen very often, but somebody would testify. They would stand, and God just lay a song on their heart, and they begin to sing and magnify Lord, the Lord. They begin to sing about the blood. I was at I was at a church in Indianapolis when I was when I was uh, in Bible school, and it was an African American church. And I remember their testimony service lasted forever. I remember one little old lady sitting back here somewhere. She stood up and she said, Brother, I want you to know that I'm thankful for the blood. She said, One day when I was lost, He died upon a cross. And I know it was the blood that saved me. There was a there was a testimony in little old mama. She knew that, that she was dead in sin and there was no way to, nowhere to turn. And if it had not been for God and Calvary's cross and the shedding of blood, there would be no hope. But she stood and she said, I'm thankful for the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. Come on and say Blood saved 
Come on, anybody got a song in your heart? Say, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. I know it. Come on, sing it one more time. I know. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood that saved. It had nothing to do with me, but one day, one day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. I know it was the blood saved me. And my dad standing in his pulpit as a child. I was sitting with Jason and Scott getting in trouble, getting called out for something they did. You know it's true. Dad, standing in this pulpit, and he would, with all the might that he could muster, he would, remember, you would slap the pulpit. Spirit of God would get moving. That's how we knew the Spirit of God was moving. He would begin to sin. In sin, I wonder sore and sad with bleeding heart and aching head till Jesus came and he sweetly sweetly said I'll take your sin up then the whole church would begin to sing say thank God for the blood oh thank God for the blood oh would say, oh, we may not know and we cannot tell how we are saved from death and hell, but through faith we know that all is wise because he took, he took my sins away. Come on, lift your voice and say, thank God for the Give God praise. People were going crazy all over the church. Sister Nancy Emery in the aisles dancing in the spirit. On rare occasions, somebody would take a lap. We had church when we sang about the blood. Worship service would be over. It looked like Papo was going to take the pulpit and preach a message to us. He'd step to the pulpit. He began to chant. 
Would for evil a victory win? Let me get in the right key. Somebody help me. Then he would begin to sing, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Come on, anybody know? There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. I know there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. Come on, say, of the Lamb. I know there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Come on, say, say, would you bring a burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There is wonderful power in the blood. Oh, I know there is power, power, wonder. He's singing like this. In the blood of the Lamb. I know there is power, power, wonder-working power in the bread. Just blood of the Lamb. Come on, thank God for the blood this morning. Hallelujah. I see, I see the look on some of y'all faces. It takes you back to, a, to days gone by when it used to be about the blood. And unfortunately in churches, in church in general, we don't talk about the blood much anymore. seated. We don't talk about the blood much anymore. I heard a pastor say, well, we don't, we're not going to mention the blood from our pulpit because it makes everybody uncomfortable and it's a little gruesome and it's a little gory. So we just don't want to talk about the blood. We'll preach everything else, but we don't want to talk about the blood. Let me tell you something. You can't be apostolic without the blood. You can't be saved without the blood of the Lamb. There is no remission of sin without the blood. It's the blood that Jesus shed for you and for me that is going to get us out of this. It's the blood that's going to cover us. It's the blood that's going to remit our sins and wash them away. And it's the blood that's going to get us from this earthly home to our heavenly home. You cannot be saved. You cannot be apostolic. You cannot preach the doctrine of truth without the blood of the Lamb. Mind if I preach for a moment, do you? Listen, there's no other blood that can do for you what the blood of Jesus can do for you. The blood of goats and bulls couldn't, couldn't do what the blood of Jesus could do for you. See, the, the blood of, of bulls and goats could only push your sin forward a year. It could not remit your sin. It could not take your sin away. It could only just, just push it forward to the next year. It, it was kind of like, like having sin on credit. I'll, I'll do it now, but I'll pay for it later. They sacrificed. It was their only 
It was their only hope. It was their only hope to, to bring a lamb, to shed that blood of that lamb on an altar and have it applied to their sin for their sin to be pushed back just a little bit. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says it like this. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us that we may, might be made the righteousness of God. I want to tell you and declare to you this morning that there is no blood that can remit your sin but the blood of Jesus. You can sacrifice anything that you want to. You can apply the blood of bulls and goats to your sin, and it won't do you any good. It'll only push them ahead a little time. But the blood of Jesus, the blood of the only spotless, sinless lamb is the only blood that can wash your sins away. It's the only blood that can bring salvation in your life. And it's your only hope to make it. See, the blood of Jesus is so powerful. It can save from the guttermost to the uttermost. No matter what your background is, no matter where you've been, no matter what you have done. You can't be good enough or bad enough to escape the blood of Jesus. But we need the blood of Jesus applied to our life. We can't make it without the blood. We can't live without the blood. We can't be apostolic without the blood. We've got to have the blood and it's got to be applied to our lives. Come on, are you going to preach with me today? I'm preaching about the blood. We just sang about the blood. And y'all were worshiping. You all were you were all into that. I'm preaching about the blood. That ought to, that ought to bring a response to every Holy Ghost-filled child of God that's come in contact with the blood. You went down in water baptism, and the blood of Jesus washed your sins away. You had no hope. You were, you were a bad dude. You were a bad lady. And, and, and you did things that you weren't proud of. And you thought that there was no way that God could ever save you or that God could ever use you. But if it had not been, for the blood of Jesus. Come on, there were times in my life when my grandfather and my parents had to plead the blood of Jesus over my life. They saw me going astray. They saw me doing things that they didn't agree with that was not good for me. And they began to plead the blood of Jesus over my life. Today in this place, somebody just needs to begin to plead the blood of Jesus over your situation. Plead the blood of Jesus over your lost family. Plead the blood of Jesus over your home. See, if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, these pews would be empty today. None of us deserve what God has blessed us with. None of us are deserving of salvation. But thank God for His precious blood that washes us and cleanses us and, and takes us from a filthy pit of sin and enwraps us and enrobes us in righteousness and enrobes us in mercy and allows us to be here this morning when we ought to be dead in our trespasses. 
Come on, when we ought to be in a, in a mental institution because we had done lost our mind or when we should be in, in rehab because we had all kinds of addiction, it was the blood of Jesus that saved us. It was the blood of Jesus that delivered us. And it's the blood of Jesus that allows you to be here this morning. The blood of Jesus. So gruesome. Though sometimes uncomfortable to talk about. We need to talk about the blood. We need to preach messages on the blood. We need to sing songs about the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is no other blood that can wash you white as snow. There's no other blood that can ever be shed that could that can make you whole again. But it's the blood of Jesus shed on Calvary's cross as he hung there that Friday afternoon and as his blood began to run down his body and begin to pull on the ground. It was that blood that he shed for you and he shed for me that would one day wash us white as snow. Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm, I'm quickly, and I won't, I, I'm, I'm moving quickly. I won't be long today. Somebody say amen. I see how you are. The blood of Jesus cleanses. So everybody say it cleanses. Allow me some leeway here this morning. In the human body are many different kinds of tissues. There are muscles, there are there are nerves, there are there's I'm sucking in as I say there's fat. There are glands, there's bone, there are connective tissue, there are tendons. These are fixed cells and they have limited function because they are relegated to one type of function. But blood is fluid and it's mobile. And it's not limited to one part of the body, but it's free to move without and supply the fixed cells, the cells that cannot be moved, the cells that are relegated to one area of the body. They provide and supply the fixed cells with nourishment and they then carry off the waste from those cells. You see the five quarts of blood that are in the average human body. They are pumped by the heart and they circulate through the, the, the entire circulatory system. And, and I hope I'm not wrong here, but when in, in my study, they, it circulates blood through your, your system once every 23 seconds. Every 23 seconds that blood carries oxygen and nutrients to various parts of your body. And it, it, and, it, and it need those parts of your body need that blood to survive. But it also does something else. As it drops those nutrients off, as it supplies the oxygen, it picks up the waste from those cells and it carries it away through your kidneys to be filtered out of your body. It's, it's, it's very mobile and it, and it is very life-sustaining. It 
cleanses your body of impurities. It cleanses your body from waste like carbon dioxide that is in your body that would cause death to come into you. You see, an expecting mother, she's connected to that unborn child through a thing, an organ called a placenta, and that, that, that placenta supplies the baby with the adequate nutrition that that baby needs to survive. See, the mother's blood flows through the umbilical cord into the baby, and it carries oxygen, and it carries glucose and all other kinds of life-saving nutrients that that baby needs to survive. And then it picks up the waste from that baby's body and it brings it back and it filters that baby's blood as, as not to allow the harmful uh, substances to pass back through into the baby's body. And once the baby has used the blood and the oxygen, or the oxygen in the blood. The blood is it again then filtered of carbon dioxide, and the lack of oxygen is replenished, and it is sent back to that baby. But one thing I want you to understand, one thing I want you to know, is that at no time in that process is the mother's blood and the baby's blood allowed to mix. The mother's blood flows into the baby and then back out. But the baby has its own blood. And the blood that is in that baby does not mix with the blood of the mother. So if there is something in the blood of the mother that would cause harm to that baby, that baby is protected because their blood does not mix. Hear me this morning that Jesus enrobed himself in flesh and he dwelt among us and he was born of the Virgin Mary because he needed a body. He needed a fleshly body with which to be born into this world. And Jesus came with sinless blood. He came with sinless blood and his blood was not to mix with the blood of humanity. But as he was in Mary's womb, her blood was just given that body life. And it was given that body nutrients. But it was also protecting his sinless blood from the blood of humanity that would allow sin to come into his life. Listen to me this morning. You have the blood of Jesus applied to your life. It is sinless blood. It is blood that can remit sin. It's blood that can wash you white as snow, and it, it, it does not affect your blood. Your sinless blood does not affect the sinless blood of Jesus Christ. If that blood that Jesus applied to your life, if it was ever allowed to mix with the blood of humanity, then all the filth and all the waste that makes us up. And all the sin, Sister Paula, that is in my life would corrupt the very life-sustaining blood of Jesus. But Jesus made it so. God made it so that the blood of Jesus and my blood couldn't mix as to not contaminate 
the blood of the only spotless lamb that was slain for the foundation of the world. He allowed it to be so that my blood, my sin, would not enter in and corrupt the blood that Jesus had applied for me. Because if it was allowed to, then the blood of Jesus would be of no effect on my life. Because my blood or your blood couldn't wash me white as snow. You spill your blood on a white shirt and it's going to stain your shirt. There's no way that that blood could clean and cleanse that shirt and it be white as, as it was before blood ever came in contact and your soul was bloody. Your soul was, was dark and it was, it was dirty. And the blood of Jesus, when it was applied to your life at an old-fashioned altar of repentance, when you went down in water baptism and God filled you with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, that sinless, spotless blood of a spotless lamb was applied to your life and that blood of yours that was so dirty and had had no effect at remitting your sin was canceled out by the sinless, spotless blood of Jesus. He allowed you to be washed white as snow. So again, I echo the words of that song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It cleanses. It protects. It builds a hedge. There are also white blood cells that are an army. They're warrior cells. They protect the body from infection. They attack potentially harmful cells and things that come into your body. Listen, when the blood of Jesus was shed for us, it was applied to our lives. And the blood of Jesus absorbs the sin-infected humanity. The blood of Jesus comes to our defense and it begins to fight for us. When the enemy comes in, the blood of Jesus begins to fight. When the enemy becomes, begins to attack us and he begins to war in our minds and he begins to speak into our ear, our ear and he begins to, to affect our minds, it's the blood of Jesus. It's the white blood cells of the blood of Jesus that travel to that, to that foreign object, that travel to that area of attack and they begin to attack they begin to fight, and they begin to defend you against the attack of the enemy. Listen, there isn't a sin too great that the blood cannot cleanse you. The blood shed on Calvary paid a price that man could not pay. The song said, I owed a debt. Or he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt that I could not pay. And Jesus came to sinful humanity. He lowered himself out of heaven and he walked on earth and he dwelt among us. He bled like you and I bleed. He felt what you and I feel. It ought to pay a price because it would be his shed blood. Come on, I wish I had a witness it would be his shed blood that was our only hope of salvation. It was the lamb. 
It was the spotless lamb, the, the blood that was shed from the spotless lamb that would take on the sins of the world. It would take our sin from us. We were guilty. We were dead in our trespasses. We had no hope. We had, a, we had charges against us left and right, and it was going to be a death sentence. But Jesus... I said, but Jesus came and he died on an old rugged cross and he shed his blood because he knew that one day you would be sitting in a service in Frankfort, Indiana and you would be dead in your trespasses and you would be covered up in sin and he knew that you had no hope. But he went ahead and said, although they may never live for me and they may never serve me, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and purchase them with my blood. I said it Wednesday, there was no guarantee. No guarantee that we would ever love him more. No guarantee that, Brother Mick, there's no guarantee that we would live for him. There wasn't a signed contract. There wasn't any kind of paperwork that saying that if you'll do this, I'll do this. I'll keep my end of the bargain if you keep your end of the bargain. But he came and he shed his blood. And it's because of that shed blood of Jesus that you are able to be here today. It's because of that shed blood of Jesus that I'm, be able, I'm able to stand behind this sacred desk today and preach the gospel and the word of the Lord. It's because of the blood of Jesus I was covered in sin. In sin I wandered sore and sad with bleeding heart and aching head till Jesus came and he sweetly said, I'll shed my blood and I'll take your sins away. I know that you can't do it on your own. You can't be good enough. You can't be talented enough. There's nothing that you can do, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to apply my blood to your life and I'm going to give you hope of eternal life. Jesus acquitted us of all the charges of sin that were against us because his blood sustains us. Colossians 2 and 14 says it like this, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, and, it, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. When I think about the old rugged cross, when I think about what God, what Jesus did on that cross, when I think about the humility that he suffered on the cross. When I think about the beatings, the ridicule, when I think about the pain, when I think about the, the death by suffocation that would happen on the cross, when I think about how his body began to shut down on that old rugged cross, he was reserved for royalty. He should have been in a palace, yet he died on an old rugged cross. It should have been a state funeral, but it was a he was buried in a borrowed tomb. When they took him down off that cross, they put him in a borrowed tomb because they had no place. To lay him. It should have been a state funeral in a palace. 
Jesus knew that if he did not come, if he did not take on humanity, if he did not take on flesh, if he did not bleed like you and I bleed, if he was not tempted in all points such as we were, he knew that there would be no hope for us. But he went ahead and he said, I don't care. That's my prize creation. That's the thing that I love more than anything else that I ever created. And I'm going to shed my blood, Mickey, so that you could be saved. I'm going to shed my blood, Scott, so that you can be saved. blood of Jesus sustains us. His blood pardoned your death sentence and handed it that had been handed down to you because of the sin that you were in. I want to tell somebody in this house today that there is life in the blood. Everybody say that there is life in the blood. Somebody say there is hope in the blood. Somebody say there's healing in the blood. Somebody say there's life-sustaining power in the blood. Red blood cells carry the oxygen. They provide, provides and carries oxygen to the cells of the body, carries sugars and proteins. All matter of cells in your body require oxygen to live, your skin. The various tissues in your body need oxygen to live. They need the blood. They need the oxygen that is in your blood to live. Because it provides nutrients through the some 60,000 miles of blood vessels that are in your body. Imagine it, if you will, as a conveyor belt that's dispensing nutrients to various parts of your body as the blood begins to flow and begins to bring life-sustaining power to those extremities in your body. Blood is the only tissue in your body that reaches every cell. It's the only thing in your body that is able to be fluid and movable in your body to bring life to, to the various cells that are in your body. You see, the goal of the enemy is to destroy you by isolation and by disconnection. Disconnection. Disconnected appendages. Disconnected cells that isolate themselves from the blood, the life-sustaining blood, will always die. You cut a finger off. Sister Marty, you can help me here. You, I cut my finger off. And if something doesn't happen in just a, a short amount of time, if I don't get that baby on ice and I don't get to a hospital and they don't get blood to that finger, there's no they can reattach it, but it'll never live. Anything that can disconnect itself from the life source of the blood will always die. Isolation will destroy you. Disconnection will cause certain death in your life. Nothing, I said nothing, can, can survive without the blood. You can't make it 
without the connection to the life-sustaining blood of Jesus. You walk away if you want to. You remove yourself if you want to. You think, I'll just go out and I'll just do what I want to for a season and I'll come back. But you remove yourself from the blood. You disconnect from the blood. You isolate yourself from the blood and you will not make it. We need the blood of Jesus in our lives. There's power to overcome through the blood. Revelation 12 said it like this, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Listen, your testimony is a powerful weapon against the enemy. I'm going to say that again. Brother Duggar's not here. Your testimony is a powerful weapon used against the enemy. What the blood in in our body does for us in times of danger and attack, the precious blood of Jesus does for every child of God. It, it, It gives you the power to live in a sinful world, yet live above sin. It gives you the power to walk the, 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 the roads of life without being affected, without being taken out by the stumbling blocks that the enemy puts against you, that the enemy would cause you to trip and to fall. You listen, the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That means he brings charges against us before God. He has built an airtight case in hopes that we will be put to death and have a death sentence put upon our life. He he points out every sin. He points out every shortcoming. He points out everything that he can that would be a that to build a case against you in the eyes of the Lord. How could you do that? How could you say that? How could you act that way? Look at them. Look what they did. Look at that attitude. Look what they just said. He will do everything to accuse you, to cause God to, 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 to build or to, to to cast down a a sentence of death. He is an accuser of the brethren. He will make up stories if he has to. But all he wants to do, he wants to isolate you from the blood. He hopes at some point that God will cut you off from the life-sustaining blood that's in his body. He's an accuser of the brethren. But we have hope today because... My Bible tells us that we have an advocate who goes before us and he pleads our case. I know they're guilty, but I've already taken their guilt. I know that they were dead in their trespasses, but there's something that happened about 2,000 years ago. I went ahead and paid the price. I went ahead and shed my blood. I knew that there was nothing that they could do for themselves, so I went ahead. And judge, I I went ahead, and I took those ordinances, those ordinances that were against them. I took their charges, and I nailed them to the cross. I applied them to the blood of my body. And now 
they are no more guilty. Now they are no more dead in their trespasses, but my life-sustaining blood has been put in them, and now they are alive, and they are alive forevermore. Listen to me today. It's the blood of Jesus that gives us power to overcome the accuser of the brethren. It's the life-sustaining power of the blood that causes us to be an overcomer. Through the blood of the Lamb. I'm closing this morning. Music can come. There's power in the blood to save you. Salvation in the blood of Jesus. We read in the Bible about David, anointed king, over Saul. Saul used to love David. He loved David. David went to the battlefield and killed Goliath. And Saul loved David. But it was when David was anointed to be king that Saul became jealous. Jealousy will do terrible things to you. It caused Saul to become jealous. And we find in the word of God that Saul longs to take David's life. We read the account where David fell into sin with Bathsheba. Walked out onto his porch one day and looked out across. He saw Bathsheba through a window of her home bathing. He began to have lustful thoughts towards her. She was a married woman. So David using his power and his influence. The Bible tells us he goes into Bathsheba and she becomes with child. David, fearful that his sin would be found out when her husband found out and realized that that child that she would bear was not his. So David came up with a plan to send Uriah to the front lines in battle because he knew that chances are he would be killed. So he willingly pushed him to the front lines. And you know the story. Uriah is killed in battle. After all of this, the Bible says that that David was a man after God's own heart. Which is very interesting to me. But we read in Psalms 51 that David begins to confess to Jonathan. His sins were coming out It was becoming apparent what had happened. And David remits to his transgressions. He uses words like, he he names three things in 
the 51st chapter of Psalms. He said, Have mercy, mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Then he says, Wash me through, wash me thoroughly, rather, from mine iniquity. And then he said, God, cleanse me from my sins. Then we drop down chapter 51 in verse 7, a scripture that I've quoted many times in my life that I guess, I'm sorry to say that I never really understood, but David said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. You see, hyssop was a plant. It was a brightly colored shrub that would grow to 12 to 24 inches in height. It had a woody, very wood-like stem, and it had colorful flowers and blooms on it. And I thought, well, that's, you know, that's interesting. That's nice to know, but what's the significance of hyssop? What's the significance in the Scripture of hyssop? And I found out an interesting fact that it was hyssop that was used to sprinkle the blood on the doorpost at Passover. Moses in Exodus 12, 400 years prior, to David asking God to purge him with hyssop. They were given instruction to kill a lamb and to take that blood and dip the hyssop in the blood and apply it to the doorpost. And they were going to eat that, they would eat that the meat of that lamb at night and they would go to bed and they were to stay inside the house. They were to stay under the covering of the blood. For fear of death when the death angel came to kill the firstborn at Passover. And David knew that there should have been death that came to them at Passover. But the blood that was applied to the doorpost with that hyssop branch was their very salvation. They knew that if I leave this house, if I walk away from the blood, if I just walk out in my yard to check some things and just make sure everything's okay, if I walk away from that blood and the death angel comes at that moment, then no longer do I have the covering and the protection and the salvation of the blood, but I'm fair game. Because I've removed myself from under the blood. 
David looked back 400 years and knew they would have died if it had not been for the blood. Yes, and he wasn't calling on the power of hyssop, but he knew that it was the hyssop that was dipped in the blood that would bring salvation. He knew it was the blood that was applied to the hyssop. And he said, if you will allow me to get under the covering of blood and you would purge me, dear God, with the hyssop. I know that I'm safe as long as I'm under the blood. Stand with me this morning. You can't make it without the blood. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that is keeping you safe in this sinful world. The blood of Jesus that's been applied to your life is the only thing that will get you out of this world. It's the only thing that will keep you from falling into a pit of sin. But don't don't you ever, don't you ever walk away from the blood. Don't you ever remove yourself from the blood. Don't you ever disconnect from the blood of Jesus because just as sure as you do, it will mean certain death for you, sir. It will mean certain death for you, ma'am. But I urge you, I plead with you in this place today. Get under the covering of the blood of Jesus. Make sure that before you leave this place today that He has purged you with His son, that He has applied His blood to your life. If you are in this place and you have not been covered by the blood of Jesus, let me say it like this. If you are in this place this morning and you used to be covered under the blood. But for reasons that are none of my business or no business of anybody in this place, but for some reason, you removed yourself and you removed yourself from under the covering of the blood. If that's you this morning, I urge you, I plead with you, get under the blood before you leave this place because there is accuser of the brethren that's waiting just outside the door. He's waiting and he is going to take, he's going to do everything he can to build a case before you and he's going to accuse you and he's going to get try to get others to turn their back on you. You need to be under the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that is life-sustaining in this sinful world. It's the only thing that can wash your sins away. I make an appeal to everybody in this house this morning. I, I ask that you come with hands lifted high. And even if you are under the blood, it does not do you any harm to go ahead and plead the blood over your life again. There's no harm in asking God once again to purge you with His son. God, purge me. Cleanse me. Make me white as snow. I plead with you come today. Nothing to turn. Can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I'm Come on, you can't go too far. 
You can't be too bad that the blood of Jesus can't cleanse you. There's nothing. You can't be too dirty that the blood of Jesus can't once again wash you. Oh, you can't make worthy. Wash me in mercy. It's the blood of the Lamb that makes us clean. There's nothing to do. 